Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Jaguar fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And of course, joining me here is my co-host, partner in crime, Mr. James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire. Jay, it is good to be back here with you. We took a a one-week break. As you guys know, of course, during the offseason, there's not a whole lot to talk about. So we figured, you know what, let's let some stories pile up. We'll let everybody simmer on all the trash talk we did about the New York Jets a couple of weeks ago, uh, which has been a a very, very positively received episode, probably on our side, maybe not so much on the Jets side. Uh, But, you know, we took that week off and now we're back. I have a feeling we're going to be better than ever and it's going to be and I'm I'm happy to uh, be here and talk some Jaguar football with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Glad to be back. We got a little rest. So. Uh, not necessarily a lot of rest, but a little rest because we, we always working even when we aren't recording. But uh, yeah, man, got a little bit of rest, came back a little bit rejuvenated, man. Got some topics at hand that we think the people will like as usual. So it's going to be a good show, man. And as always, you know, same old, same old stuff I say all the time. Everybody, thanks for rating, commenting, subscribing, all of that good stuff. Um, I can't say it enough again because without them, there is no. So that being said, man, thanks everybody for uh, tuning back in as we got another action pack episode that uh, me and Phil are going to be tackling as a pair. That's right, folks. So we're going to get into our main topics of the week here in just a moment. Uh, before we do that, let's do our uh, weekly shout outs. Of course, again, thank you, uh, as Jay mentioned, uh, for all of you that have gone out of your way and left a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, it is the best way, one of the best ways you can support the show. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider heading over there, subscribing, as well as dropping that five-star review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, we are at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts as part of the awesome Believe Podcast library. Keep up with the show on social media, on Instagram at Believe in Jags Pod and on Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And last but not least, we have to thank this week's sponsor, which is BetOnline. The month of July is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and BetOnline is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. But all right, Jay, now that that is out of the way, let's go ahead and get into our stories for the week. Now, of course, this one came uh, actually roughly a week ago. Back on the 1st of July, uh, where the NFL had uh, fined three teams for organized team activity violations, of course, OTAs. Those three teams were the San Francisco 49ers, the Dallas Cowboys, and our very own 
Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jags were fined $200,000 and Urban Meyer was fined $100,000. According to the AP's Mark Long, the Jaguars' response to the $200,000 fine stems from a June 1st, uh, June practice, uh, specifically 11 on 11 contacts uh, between DBs and wide receivers. Quote, the Jaguars are vigilant about practicing within the CBA rules and will reemphasize offseason training rules as they relate to contact. So, Jay, this topic is going to kind of segue into our next topic here in just a moment. But, you know, when these fines came up, you know, what, where did you fall? Were you a little concerned, frustrated? Was it much ado about nothing? Were people overreacting? You know, or did you fall maybe somewhere in between all the different reactions we were getting from multiple multiple outlets well yeah when it happened you know uh <laughs> good old boogie we were in the thread and he was like oh god not a uh not another issue so when i saw that i was like oh man let me see what happened of course i went and researched it and you know like for me the whole fine thing while it was the most hefty fine of the three that was handed out no no i take that back the washington football team was also fined for uh, I think that investigation that went down for them where, you know, there were some um, things, some speculations about sexual harassment in the workplace and this, that and the other. I could be wrong, but I think that's what they were fined $10 million for. I think that was the number they put on that. So it was really four teams. But of the teams that were fined for practice habits, I guess is how I would put it. Uh, the Jaguars received the, hef- uh, the heftiest fine. Uh, so, I mean, when we when I looked at it and assessed it, it really didn't bother me all that much because and, and this is weird to say, like we're used to hearing worse news about the Jaguars. Right. You know, it to me, it wasn't a Chris Doyle like situation. Um, it, it wasn't a situation where the NFL PA came down on the Jags like they did when Tom Coughlin was here. You know, it was just a, a situation and we've seen teams get fined in the past for these situations like the Ravens, you know, like this is, it's not exactly uncommon, but you know, maybe they were getting a little bit too chippy and, and there was a little bit too much contact than the drill that you mentioned, the 11 on 11 wide receivers versus DBs drill. Uh, but yeah, it didn't concern me all that much, which I'll get into later why it didn't. We move on into the segue into the next topic about a certain ESPN uh, analyst. Uh, but yeah, this one didn't bother me like, some of the other incidents that we've seen in the past have. Yeah. And again, you know, we've mentioned this before, Jay, you bring in a coach like Urban Meyer and, you know, you see a lot of fans that are clamoring for the Jaguars to be, um, you know, to be talked about more, to be mentioned more. And when you bring in a high profile coach like an Urban Meyer who has the past that he does, this is what comes with it. So, it's kind of a catch-22. It's like you get the good with the bad. Again, this didn't bother me too much. If we had brought in a coach that had been around for a while, you know, that clearly knew the rules, and then did something like this, maybe I'd be a little bit more concerned. Um, but, you know, Jay, correct. I mean, I, this is how I feel. I'm kind of interested to see if maybe if maybe you, uh, uh, if you feel the same. I feel like this is kind of urban kind of like pushing the boundaries a little bit and trying to figure out, okay, what can I get away with and what can I not get away with? Did you get like a little bit of a, of a feeling that that was, that is what was going on? Uh, possibly, possibly. I don't know. Then again, like if you look at 
what was at stake in terms of for Urban Meyer, which is a hundred thousand dollars, which I mean, like, you know, like he's got it, of course, but it's still like that's a lot of money, so to speak. So I don't know if he was like right eager to push the boundaries like that, uh, even with him being a multimillionaire. Uh, but at the same time, like, I mean, you kind of hit on something that crossed my mind, like, and this is kind of why I'm not, I guess I was going to kind of save this for the next segment, but it kind of didn't bother me because look, the Jaguars are coming off of one in what, 15, uh, one in, yeah, one in 15 season. So like when I see a situation where they may have been practicing too hard in 11 on 11s and, and, you know, in, in, um, whatever drill it was 11 on 11s or whatever the case may be you know this to me is just more so like not necessarily urban meyer pushing the boundaries but maybe the players were were getting a little too physical in the situation and it kind of alerted the nfl in terms of i don't know like how it works i don't know if they have cameras the nfl themselves have cameras watching every practice or i don't know if a player went to uh, the NFL and say, hey, like Urban Meyer was doing such and such and such and such. But like just based off of how the leaders of the team have come off towards Urban Meyer and loving uh, what he's brought to the table and, you know, his whole mantra of like, hey, we'll push him, uh, but we'll also give them everything they need here. I don't know if a player necessarily was the one to go and tell on Urban Meyer. Uh, I think this was more so a situation that NFLPA, if they have cameras, I, we don't know this for a fact, but uh, this is more of a situation where the NFL, excuse me, not the NFLPA, uh, saw on the cameras where, uh, you know, there may have been too much contact in one of the drills when, you know, basically in OTAs, you're in basically just helmets. Uh, so you don't want to do too much and get anybody injured and so on and so forth. And then when that happens, you know, then that's when the NFLPA steps in. So it looks like it, it could have been a situation where the NFL stepped in because they don't want the NFLPA stepping in uh, because we all know the the friction between those two parties. And uh, just say like, hey, y'all got a little overzealous in this situation, but you don't mind it at the same time. Because, uh, like I said, they're coming off a one in 16 season or a one in a 15 season. That being said, like you like to see a little bit of extra curricular in, in terms of practice. Now, look, we, we don't want nobody getting hurt. Clearly, we don't want to see nobody out there being an idiot. Uh, when you don't have on anything but helmets. Uh, but in a way, like, I kind of didn't mind it, and I kind of liked to hear that the Jaguars were being a little extra in practice. Uh, but I guess, like, Urban Meyer might not have liked them when he seen the result, which was <laughs> a fine in the form of $100,000. And in the case of the Jaguars, they got fined $200,000. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's easy to say that when it's not our $100,000. Not that we have a hundred grand to pay uh, any type of fine, you know. So if that happens, uh, Jay, I think that's just the end of the Believe in the Jaguars podcast. Honestly, I think <laughs> the <laughs> Believe's going to have to find uh, some new hosts. Yeah, and they also were uh, penalized. I believe they got a uh, uh, practice taken away, an OTA uh, practice taken away during the first week of next year's offseason as well um yeah again if 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 this had been a repeat offense like if say we're in year three and things aren't going well and then urban meyer gets this then yeah that kind of raises some red flags um but it, it, this his first off season you know trying to acclimate himself you mentioned it before as well that the leaders of the team have all responded great to urban 
So uh, this is a circumstantial thing. Again, we'll we'll feel differently if it happens down the line, and we're not seeing the success that we think that we are that we should have seen. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm right here. I don't know how many people uh, were, were really too outside of Jacksonville. I, you know, of course, people in in Columbus and in Ohio and stuff and places like that, of course, are overreacting. You know, or, or Urban's breaking the rules already. You know, but you know that is it, it is kind of in line with him to try and you know, get away with as much as he can. And then maybe he just didn't expect it would cost him a hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, the, the NFL is a little different, man. And like we said in the past, you know, with, with, you know, the backlash he received from the Chris, the Chris Doyle situation is now you have an owner that you have to, you know what I'm saying? Report to. And that's, uh, that will be fine as well with you. And that will speak out, you know, not saying that Shad Khan was mad about this situation, but will speak out about certain situations where the team is fine as well for some activities or some backlash come from activities that came on Urban's behalf. So, like, it's a little different now. And, uh, you know, they they'll, they won't hesitate. Roger Goodell and company won't hesitate to send you that, that notice in the mail. Uh, and, and, you know, next time, you know. <laughs> with urban meyer it might be a little bit higher than that if you know this kind of stuff continues uh but like you said man like if it had been a repeat offense or this is something like where the team isn't necessarily getting better or whatever the case may be it'll be you know it, you might see some backlash from us and the fans but uh, i i really think it's i mean aside from how much he was fine i think it's like a non-issue in my opinion well, you know, Jay, uh, a couple of people who did think it was, uh, you know, a big deal uh, were a, the, a panel over at Get Up on ESPN. And uh, this was a panel, of course, uh, co- uh, consisting of Paul Feinbaum, Bart Scott, Mike Tannenbaum, and of course, Mike Greenberg. Uh, now, mind you, as I mentioned before, two other teams and coaches were also fined. Uh, Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers and Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys, respectively. Now, they weren't fined as much individually as urban Meyer was. Uh, but you know, that being said, urban Meyer breaking the rules is going to uh, bring up a story. Uh, no, you know, <laughs> never mind. Not, let's not talk about the Jaguars bringing in Trevor Lawrence or, you know, um, uh, some of the off season additions they made. Now let's, let's continue to talk about what urban Meyer is doing wrong. And one person not particularly fond of urban Meyer is Paul Feinbaum, uh, who said, quote, I'll try not to sound like a broken record, but if this is not going to work, it may work short term because he has Trevor Lawrence and you can build a team. But ultimately, Urban Meyer is going to flame out. He will continue to say, you laid it out very eloquently there. It's already happening. This guy does not get along with the rules. He does not like to be told what to do. It d- didn't work at Florida when he fled. It didn't work at Ohio State when he battled the administration and finally walked off or was pushed out. And it's not going to work here. Now, Jay, you know, we've talked about whether or not we believe Urban Meyer is going to succeed here in Jacksonville. Not only have you and I talked about it, we've talked about it with plenty of our guests. Uh, but, you know, this you know, Paul Feinbaum using the words specifically Urban Meyer is going to flame out, of course, is is going to draw some attention. You know, we're not going to, you know, we're, we consider ourselves a classy show. We're not going to, you know, take any low blows or shots at Paul Feinbaum here. He clearly is very entrenched with college football you know, specifically the SEC, um, specifically Nick Saban. Never mind. You know, we're not, again, not going to get petty, but but I'm just saying he probably wouldn't have said these things if it was 
if it was Nick Saban. But anyway, you know, what, what did you think, you know, when you saw this video? I think really more so the thing that I'm not portraying here, Dre, Jay, when I read this quote is just the tone and the disdain that I picked up in terms of in Paul, Fe- Paul Feinbaum's voice. And, you know, it's something we've seen from him before. So, you know, what was your reaction when you saw this on um, last Friday's episode of Get Up? Yeah, so that, I'm with you on it. Like, there definitely seems to be a little bit of dislike for Urban Meyer for whatever reason on Feinbaum's part. Don't know exactly why. Uh, because, like you said, like, he's shown favoritism towards Nick Saban and people, you know, I mean, I would assume, and none of them come to mind, but I'm assuming that Nick Saban has broken a rule or two in college himself. But, you know, that's neither here or neither there. Like you said, we don't want to get too petty. But so the way I interpreted this is fine bomb is For a saying, different podcast. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but the way I interpreted this is that fine bond is saying that uh, things won't work out because Urban Meyer is a rule breaker. And as soon as he used these terms like rule breaker, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, you know what came to my mind, Phil, in terms of, you know, these these terms and, and synonyms of, you know, being a rule breaker and associating Urban Meyer with the rules he's broken in the past and so on and so forth. Uh, so for me, what came to mind is that Bill Belichick who is a notorious rule breaker is one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, probably the greatest coach in football history, according to most. And, you know, we've seen the greatness that he's achieved. So like, in my opinion, you know, sometimes like when you see somebody breaking the rules, it's more so that, uh, you you know, the old saying, like, if you're not breaking the rules, you're not trying hard enough or whatever the case may be. It's kind of that type of deal. Now, look, we have spoken out, many times against Urban Meyer and the scandals he's brought to the table, right? And the the Jack Doyle situation, we, which we absolutely hated that move and that decision. Um, but, you know, that's in the past. Chris Doyle. Chris Doyle. I'm sorry, Chris Doyle. Um, that's in the past, and, you know, they've moved on to front of that situation. Uh, we also know of the whole situation with Zach Smith at Ohio State, which, you know, me and you – have uh, voiced our displeasure for as well. But when it comes to this kind of rule breaking, which, you know, this is practice related and, you know, game day related type of stuff like that we associate with Urban Meyer and and, and Bill Belichick, you know, it just, again, going back to what I was saying in the last segment is, you know, it just shows that Urban Meyer is trying to get this team that was terrible a little bit better, if anything. And that now that part, I don't mind as opposed to the scandals and other stuff. So, you know, while Feinbaum and the the guys over there at Get Up might have had a problem with it, I think most Jacksonville Jaguars fans were kind of smiling at this. And they were kind of looking at it as like, hey, look, get them right, Herbs. You know, like, (laughs) these guys were terrible. Like, if you sat through what we sat through last year, you don't mind, like, these kind of fines and these situations. Now, again, like you said, Phil, if this is a reoccurring thing and Urban Meyer continues to break the rules – and continues to do these type of things. And also, if these are situations where players are speaking out against him, which, again, we've reiterated that the players seem to really love Urban Meyer. It doesn't seem like there's an issue there. It's not. This is not a Tom Coughlin situation. It, at least it appears that way. This is not a Tom Coughlin situation where the players just hate working for this guy and so on and so forth. You know, until it becomes an issue like that, where the players are speaking out and so on and so forth, then, you know, like, 
we're, we're cool with it for the most part. Or if it's a reoccurring thing, you know, we don't we don't want that. So I, I just see this more of a, you know, a Bill Belichick type thing where, you know, he's doing a little extracurricular stuff uh, to, to get the team to play better. Now, look, now, if you're on the other side of these things, in, in the case of Bill Belichick's uh, Spygate and Deflategate, if you're on the other side of these things, of course you don't like it. You know what I'm saying? But when your team is the team that's kind of doing the extracurricular stuff to get better, like you kind of don't have a problem with it. Now, now, I'm not saying that the Jags should go out there and start cheating or whatever the case may be. Uh, but, like, again, I just feel like, you know, this just this particular situation just shows that the team is going through some extra efforts uh, that, in this case, got them fined to become a better team. And you, you kind of don't mind that from that perspective. While the guys on Get Up kind of took it and ran with it, as that Urban Meyer is a rule breaker and so on and so forth. Well, you know, look where that's gotten Bill Belichick. Even, you know, the Flategate and Spygate aside, if we take those equations out or those situations out of the equation, right, we still see him as, you know, and I hate to admit this, I've never been a big Bill Belichick guy, but he's still the best coach in history if you take the scandals out aside as well. But, you know, that's just kind of where I'm at on it. I don't know how you feel uh, about, you know, that comparison in terms of the rule breaking. But, you know, that's what came to mind for me. No, that is a really, really good point And one that I didn't, you know, a um, a parallel that I honestly didn't even make until until you had mentioned it. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, again, not condoning what Bill Belichick has done in the past, um, but even in years where they've tried to, you know, crack down on him. I mean, the, the record kind of speaks for itself. Exactly. Exactly. Like, again, like you said, I, I'm not condoning anything that he's done. And again, like if he was deflating balls against us or had uh, cameras rolling against us, uh, we definitely be speaking out against it. Uh, but, you know, it just shows, you know, like sometimes that extra stuff like that just shows the commitment to winning. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are coming from such a low to where like you actually don't mind. Like in this case, it wasn't to the degree of Spygate or Deflategate, but you don't. You don't mind like the situation in practice that unfolded and, uh, you know, may have cost the Jaguars a little bit of money uh, that, you know, again, they had. But at the same time, you know, you, you don't want to get too used to this kind of stuff. Now, again, a couple of years from now, if stuff like this continues to happen and we lose like a draft pick or something, then we have a problem. Uh, Jay, I know you had one more thing to add on before we talk about our primary topic here this week. Yeah, like you said, man, like with. And I've, I've touched on this on the Hard Knocks episode, on the solo episode. With Urban Meyer, this is the thing. Uh, these are the things that come with it. And, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars had a hard time getting mentioned on Get Up last year and even before. You know, as long as Get Up has been around, ESPN in general, they've had a hard time getting noticed. And Urban Meyer comes into the picture and, you know, now they're on there. It seems like they're they're being talked about once a week, sometimes not uh, for some not-so-good things and sometimes – uh, for for you know some good things like the addition of Trevor Lawrence but what I wanted to add to this is like the media like we just we have to wrap our minds around the media is just going to be on Urban Meyer's case often and they're going to re- overreact to some things just because of his past as you have said uh, but some of these things like haven't like just so long as again going back to what I was saying so long as these are not issues like Chris Doyle and issues like the Zach Smith situation 
and it's more so catered towards like protocols and stuff that go into the football field and it's not reoccurring and the players aren't having issues with it. It's it's a non factor. And I mean a prime example of like them overreacting and you know, me and you aren't the biggest Tim Tebow fans, right? But you know, when we got Tim Tebow, you know, a lot of people overreacted to that. And admittedly at the time I didn't know how to accept it either or how to take it in either. But now that I can look back at it like the whole Tim Tebow situation wasn't even worth all of the time and effort that the national media put into it either. Because while look, I'll admit like Tim Tebow does not, you know, just from what we hear, Tim Tebow doesn't look like a guy that should make the final 53 man roster. But at the same time, like he doesn't look like a player that shouldn't be on a 90 man roster either from what the reports have been saying. Right. He looks like a developmental tight end, you know, a practice squad tight end. So, like, they made all of this fuss about a guy that, you know, essentially looks like a developmental project, which is what we expected. Now, the only issue is, like, if you're going to put him on practice squad, you know, this guy is 33 years old. You might as well get a project that's younger. Uh, But what I'm saying is, like, all of that that went into Tim Tebow being put on this team, and he doesn't look that out of place. He, Yeah, he doesn't look like a guy that'll make the team, but at the same time, he doesn't look that out of place like people were making him out to be or saying like he was going to look terrible and that, you know, he's not made to play tight end and this, that, and the other. And, you know, we'll see in training camp if he can improve and, you know, make some noise from that category. But, you know, like this is kind of like that situation with him, Tim Tebow, and like all of the effort and all of the hoopla that the get up put into that. And when we look at it in hindsight, it's not really that big of a deal. 100%. And admittedly, I was, I mean, at least off air, one of, I was one of those people that was pretty annoyed with the fact, the, the biggest thing is this, is that I was talking about Tim Tebow as a tight end in the year 2021, you know, and it wasn't 2008 or what, whenever, you know, he was uh, first in the league. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, again, if you ask Jaguar fans, they'll take talking about Urban Meyer getting fined and Tim Tebow over things such as Ryan Smith and Chris Doyle any day of the week, right? You take Tebow and getting fined 100 grand over any of the other negative stuff that has been tied to Urban Meyer at any point in this entire, uh, you know, in this entire saga, no matter what happens with with urban meyer i think we can all say we hope that that is the extent of how far it goes because the chris doyle thing was terrible i think that that response deserved the type of feedback that it got the rest of this stuff just seems a little unwarranted and a little targeted you know exactly exactly chris doyle thing ridiculous why even make that decision you know like i'm, I'm with you on that but getting fined you know what i'm saying when this has happened on numerous occasions to other good coaches, by the way. Like, this is not just an Urban Meyer thing. Other good coaches have been fined for this. We just said it was other teams like Kyle Shanahan got a fine for this. Uh, the Ravens got fined for this in 2016. Or, you know, they got fined for practice habits in 2016. You know, and we all know the kind of organization they are. So, like, why is this being such a big deal? Why is a big deal being made of this? And, of course, the answer to that is because – is Urban Myers. So, you know, like those things, like we said, the scandal stuff, the Zach Smith, Chris Doyle things, unacceptable, unacceptable. But this, you know, this isn't even worth the time that ESPN really put into it like that. I mean, like it wasn't worth no 10 minute segment from Bart Scott and 
Paul Feinbund. I mean, five minutes at the most. And I mean, like, why why just harp on Urban Meyer when it was other teams, like you said, and also the Washington football team? They might have touched on the Washington football team, though, um, when, when they talked about this. But, you know, why just harp on Urban Meyer? Obviously, you know, he was a target in that situation. It feels like at least. And, you know, as Jazz fans, we should expect that to be the case. Like, he's going to be a target no matter what he does, no matter how minor it is. So you hit the nail on the head there. Well, let's talk about some actual football here, Jay, to wrap up this episode. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about a couple of names uh, that we think might be some surprise training camp cuts. You know, that happens each and every single year. And the Jaguars, of course, are no stranger to that. You know, going back to names like uh, Byron Leftwich, uh, David Garrard. You know, these are this is something that we have seen from this team in the past. And, you know, again, it's the beginning of July, so we need to create content for you guys. So, Jay, I think that you've come across or or laid out, what is it, three or four guys that you think might be uh, surprise training camp cuts as far as not making the final 53-man roster. So, um, you know, I'm just going to kind of let you take it away and and I'll kind of react in real time. And, uh, you know, you can start off wherever you'd like. You know, who who who's a, who's a player that you think might be on the outside looking in you know, when uh, the final roster cuts come and they got to trim this thing down to 53. All right. So one of these guys is somebody we've been critical of for many, many years, ever since we've done the Believe in Jazz pod and the Jazz Den pod. And uh, that's AJ Can. And I, I think the reason behind this and look, AJ Can proves us wrong every year in terms of us saying like he shouldn't be on this team or, or he proves us wrong. I say this. He proves us wrong in terms of sticking to this roster year after year after year somehow. Uh, but this year, he's on the last year of his deal. His uh, yeah, his dead money hit would be like $1.3 million, um, which that ain't too ridiculous for the Jags. And then uh, they would save almost $5 million to the cap. Uh, looking, just looking at these figures from over the cap. But I just think, like, it's time for Ben Barch to shine. And I think Ben Barch could very well know that, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are in a position where they would move on from A.J. Can if he just came and showed up in uh, training camp and did his thing and just impressed. So, uh, you know, Ben Barch is a guy that we were high on last year. Uh, and, you know, he he saw a little time because A.J. Can suffered from some injuries. Uh, he saw a little time, didn't look all that great out there. I mean, it was times where he had his moments, but – uh, you know, he was a rookie, a rookie fourth-round pick coming from St. John's College. You know, he's got a year under his belt now. Uh, you know, he looks a little bit better in terms of, um, you know, I think me O'Brien put out the tweet that he was a little bit more fit, trimmer, um, whatever the case may be, more toned. Uh, so, he, you know, he obviously put in the work during the offseason. And, you know, like when you come back uh, in that kind of shape, you know, you are looking to take over. And I think Ben Barch knows uh, that he is the future guard, or he can at least feel that he has the potential to be the future right guard for this team. Uh, now, look, Can last year looked significantly better than we've seen him look in the past. So if we get that, A.J. Can, it's all good, you know. But I just think, like, Ben Barch is just going to rise to the occasion. And it's more so a Ben Barch thing. Like, I feel like he'll rise to the occasion and really give this staff something to think about. Uh, but, you know, time will tell if that'll be the case. But uh, that's the guy that I will watch in the trenches in terms of another offensive guy that came to mind. I would personally be shocked by this one. I wouldn't be so much just shocked by the AJ can thing, but I think fans would, 
Uh, but this one I would be shocked by, and that is the uh, if, if Chris, uh, excuse me, if uh, Philip Dorsett was cut. And the reason I say that is because just Urban Meyer's makeup. He loves speed, guys. Um, he's very familiar with Dorsett from his time at Miami. And, you know, Urban Meyer, I think at the time, was either at Florida or Ohio State. It might have been Ohio State. But he's very familiar with this guy. Uh, he This is a guy that feels like he was handpicked by Urban Meyer. And not only that, though, but Philip Dorsett came out and from the reports we saw, like, he impressed he had that connection with Trevor Lawrence. And that's a that's a very big key in this thing. Like, when you have that connection with the franchise quarterback, the number one overall pick at that, that can get you a long way. And, you know, I think it was the last day of uh, minicamp that those two linked up for two touchdowns. That was the day that Trevor Lawrence, you know, I wrote about the article that he uh, he left minicamp on a high note, basically. And a lot of that was with Philip Dorsett on that day. And I think that will continue in training camp personally. And I think, you know, not only that, but Philip Dorsett probably gives you value as a special teams guy. We all know how Urban Meyer values special teams. So I'd be surprised by that one if that happened. Um, because like Philip Dorsett, it feels like he would really just have to fall off a cliff during training camp and uh, during the preseason. And I have one on defense, and that's safety Gerard Wilson. Now, that, that's a little shocking. It might be a little shocking to some people, and I don't think it'll happen. Don't get me wrong. Just like I don't really think Can will be let go because I think Urban Meyer wants a veteran-savvy offensive line. But I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen because for the simple fact, they're just simply so deep at safety, right? Uh, you know, if you have these guys that's on the back end of the, the safety depth chart or, you know, that aren't starters like Daniel Thomas, if he steps up and continues to play like we saw last year and continues to pick up where he left off uh, during OTAs and minicamp, you know, he could be a guy that can make this team. Um, and I think you, you, Rudy Ford, again, like Rudy Ford is a specialist. We uh, did this article not too long ago on Ford where it was saying he was like one of the fastest gunners, punt gunners in, in like the NFL last year. So like he's a, another feels like another urban Meyer type of person. So a special team specialist, a guy that uh, probably would be cheaper. I don't know what his cap figures are, but probably be cheaper to keep around than Gerard Wilson. And again, like Gerard Wilson's thing has always been for me. It's like, you know, he's not necessarily good. Uh, he's not necessarily bad. He's just there, you know, and like maybe the team will see it as like maybe it's time to get somebody else an opportunity, a younger player, perhaps, or, you know, another player opportunity uh, to hold that spot. But again, I would be shocked because Gerard Wilson has started in a lot of games and his experience is pretty valuable, especially if you're going to be a, a relatively young team in terms of the safeties outside of Rayshon Jenkins. Yeah, the uh, to to touch on you know each one of those there, uh, AJ can would not surprise me either. Again, I guess it's going to depend on how they view and value Ben Barch. Uh, you know, since he is part of the past regime. Um, but again, like you said, I mean, we've been talking. I, I, it's it's insane that AJ can has been around pretty much as long as we've been podcasting, which is just kind of baffling that he's been around. For that long, so that wouldn't surprise me too much. Um, I guess as far as the Philip Dorsett thing goes, you know, like you said, uh, yeah, it does feel like he was, you know, in terms of the speed, it kind of feels like, you know, we got Philip Dorsett, uh, you know, in spite of missing out on Curtis Samuel. I think probably Curtis Samuel, and you mentioned this when you joined the Cardinals Wire 
um, this week here. Jay, you know, Curtis Samuel was probably that ultimate target. Um, and then when they needed to look elsewhere for speed, of course, knowing that Keelan Cole was on his way out, you bring in a guy like Philip Dorsett, who's had ups and downs throughout his entire career. You know, I guess that question is, you know, which receiver is then taking his spot? We know four of the, you know, the wide receiver spots are are essentially locked up, right? You know, we got LaVisca, Marvin Jones Jr., Colin Johnson, and then G.J. Chark. So uh, are you are you keeping five or six receivers on this roster and keeping Dorsett and Jamal Agnew, who, of course, is another specialist, but does play a wide receiver? Um, you know, of course, you have the Quan Treadwell. We, we're not 100% sure what he's what role he is going to play. Uh, you know, what, what do you think there as far as it, does somebody take Philip Dorsett's spot if he is one of those unexpected, you know, uh, one of those unexpected cuts? Yeah, I think, yeah, it would be somebody taking his spot because I think this team has no choice but to, and they've done this several times. Jalen Camp? Yeah, they've done this several times in camp. I mean, or they've done this several times in the past. They have no choice but to keep six receivers because they have so much talent at the position. And I think, well, well, when you speak on Jalen Camp, I think Jalen Camp is a um, is more so a practice squad guy. You know, we're talking about a six-round pick here. Um, you know, a guy that they've admitted that is a developmental project. Uh, it's hard to see him making the team over Dorsett in, in terms of a guy that's, you know, he's battle-tested. He's been around the league. He's played with who? The Patriots, the Colts, um, I think. So, you know, he he's veteran savvy. He has that over, uh, over Camp. And like you said, I think those two last spots will end up going to him and, and Jamal Agnew because Jamal Agnew got a sizable amount of money in terms of free agency. And not only that, but Jamal Agnew also knows the scheme, too. Like He's kind of in that class with Marvin Jones Jr. Both of them are coming from the Lions. They work with Daryl Bevel. These are probably hand-picked guys from Daryl Bevel. So uh, he, they know the scheme. They can help the rest of the receivers, which are very young, to understand the scheme and what's going on and this, that, and the other. And again, uh, Agnew adds value as a special teamer. I mean, I think like when you pay Agnew the money that he's getting, I think like that Urban Meyer already pretty much sealed his name in as either a punt or a kick returner. And um, we'll, we'll see eventually. Uh, they also have some some good kick returner. Uh, they also have a good returner, should I say, in uh, a name to watch out for, Farrell Cooper a former All-Pro as well. So him and Agnew, that was a, a little tidbit I shared uh, last week, is him and Agnew are both All-Pros from, I think, 2017. One was the All-Pro as a kick returner, and one was the All-Pro as the uh, punt returner. Uh, so that'll be a competition to watch. But definitely you got to get a, the edge to Agnew and Philip Dorsett because, again, they're veteran savvy and provide help on special teams or could provide help on special teams. Yeah, and the Jared Wilson one would would certainly be surprising as well. Um, but again, something you also mentioned uh, when you joined the Cardinals wire is, you know, they're they're just very deep at the safety position. Um, but again, I, I do ultimately think that his experience is going to prove, you know, too valuable um, in terms of that specific slot. But again, this is something we talked about in the last couple of weeks, Jay. I mean, Jared Wilson is always a guy that's just kind of there. He's not necessarily playing really, really good. He's not necessarily playing really, really bad. Uh, you know, he's he's just kind of a, a guy that takes up a spot because you haven't really necessarily been able to replace him. 
But, you know, now with, of course, Rayshon Jenkins, Andre Cisco, and, you know, the continued development, hopefully, of Daniel Thomas, you know, maybe you find a guy like Jared Wilson expendable. Yeah, and a key with this is, you know, a, a key I think me and you can agree on why a lot of these guys, we feel like all three of these guys will end up sticking to the team, but these are just guys that we, you know, that would cause some surprise if they were cut. But I think what we can agree upon is that the Jaguars, they still lead the league uh, in cap space. So it's not like they need to save whatever amount of money they would save by cutting these guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have to cut these guys. And that's, you know, that's why it makes it hard to come up with a list of cuts in this scenario in terms of some guys because they lead the league in salary cap. And they can hang on to these guys who, I mean, would be valuable for a team. Again, going back to what we said, a team that was 1-16 last year. 1-15, um, excuse me, last year. So, like, they have the salary cap to keep these guys and they aren't really in position to be letting guys go that have the experience that we've named uh, in AJ can and, and Wilson and Dorsett. But you know, it's a time will tell type of thing. Right. So those are just some names we wanted to throw out there here, guys, as far as, you know, some surprises, who do you guys think might be a, uh, you know, a surprise cut uh, when it comes down to, uh, you know, trimming the roster down. Uh, to 53 again let us know over on our social media page maybe we'll we'll um, send out a um, you know another poll jay over on twitter those have been those usually do pretty well and i'd like to see some of your responses here uh, but jay again you know that was pretty much it for this week's episode we of course wanted to return and talk about some of that urban meyer stuff and then also uh, you know just a fun uh, a fun topic here at the end um, but is there anything else you'd like to uh, let our uh, our audience know before we get out of here for the week and then of course get ready for another episode next week no nah, not too much man we're, we're closing in on training camp you know that'll be in a matter of weeks but it's not really too much to talk on i mean like as we said we've kind of been eyeing those contracts with the remaining rookies which uh we didn't really talk about that but trevor lawrence Assigned his deal, so that's taken care of. Signed, sealed, delivered, and all of that good stuff. You know, our first overall pick is taken care of, and will be a Jaguar for many, many years to come. Uh, still, uh, is uh, Travis Etienne, Tyson Campbell, and Walker Little remain unsigned. We expect those to get done soon. Uh, just as we said for Trevor Lawrence, you know, they'll probably fall like dominoes, and everybody will be taken care of before training camp. So we'll monitor that. And uh, again, you know, like our big thing is now from now into, you know, training camp and during training camp and during the preseason, uh, we'll probably start ramping up on some guests and have them on. So look out for all of that as um, Phil and I will be excited about this upcoming season, uh, which I think we all could say is probably one of the more exciting uh, or more anticipated seasons we had in quite some time. Yeah, now that we know we've got free agency and the draft over, you know, I'm just anxious to get to the actual football and see how the product looks on the field. You know, again, offseason champions over here in Jacksonville, Florida. So we will, of course, continue to monitor and uh, make sure you keep up to date with, uh, you know, the Jaguars Wire and, of course, the podcast for all the up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguars news. Before we get out of here, I will be selfish again right at the end of this episode. And also mention, if you missed it a couple of weeks ago, of course, uh, if you guys are familiar with my other project, which is the Wait For It podcast, which is my pop culture show where we talk about video games, television, movies, anime, and everything in between. Um, if you missed the announcement, my other co-host, Eric Cerna, and I will be hosting uh, all of the uh, Q&A panels for Bold Matsuri, which is a local 
anime and cosplay convention here in Jacksonville, Florida. For those of you that don't know, Jay and I are, of course, you know, big comic book fans, big anime fans. So if you are also a fan of, you know, an anime such as My Hero Academia or Attack on Titan, uh, some of the voice actors from the English dub will be in attendance. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll see you guys out there. It's a really cool opportunity that we are excited to be a part of. Um, we'll go ahead and put the uh, the link to that in the show notes in case anybody is also an anime fan that's also listens to the Jackson to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast. But with that being said, guys, this is the end of the episode. Again, thank you so much for all of you that have gone out of your way and left a five star review. If you have been enjoying the show and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving us that five-star review as well. It's one of the best ways you can support the show. Again, you can also find us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. Again, make sure you're keeping up with the show on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is at SportsGrind underscore Don. And then, of course, the website is JaguarsWire.com. This has been Believe in the Jaguars, presented by Bet Online. Don't forget to believe in the Jaguars, but more importantly, believe in yourselves. We will see you next week, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.